Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Lift your hands towards heaven today. We're fixing to jump into God's Word. Father, right now, I thank you now. I praise you. I bless you. Church, would you lift your hands towards me, stretch them towards me in an act of, of faith. I need prayer today. Lord, touch me today. I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say. God, my mouth, but your word, my mind, but your thoughts today, God. Speak through me. Speak to me, God. Lord, there's something you want to do in this house today. I believe that in Jesus' name. And I want to be obedient to you, God. I want to be obedient to you, Father. For So, Father, I thank you now as you've given me the words to say, God. Nothing more, nothing less. I turn my hands. Church, would you lay your hands on yourself? Just put your hand over your heart right now. Right there where you're at, put your hand over your heart. And I'm going to stretch my hands towards you. Father, as I speak your word today, touch these people. And God, speak to them. Let nothing distract them from what you want to say today. Have your way in this place. We don't have nothing to do this morning but your will. Your will be done in this house today. Now, Father, we give you praise and glory for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Come on, can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as you're being seated? Now, I want you to ask, I want, to, I want you to do me a favor, a few housekeeping rules before I, before I preach. A few housekeeping rules. I want you to stay seated. I don't want you to move around a whole bunch because there's a lot of people in here and it becomes a distraction, especially when you move around from the front. And uh, so if you're at the front and you have to get up, would you just try to find your seat towards the back instead of going all the way up front? We've got security and ushers and all that. So if you start acting crazy and you start moving a whole bunch, uh, I've given them authority to, to arrest you. No, I'm joking. No, no, I'm joking. Just to say, hey, hey, chill out, okay? In Jesus' name, chill out, okay? <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bible to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, I don't know if you know this. You may not know this. You may not care. Uh, but it, I'm going to share it with you anyway. Um, I have been, uh, I think since April, I have to go back and look. Uh, but since April, I had, uh, I've been trying to work on my lifestyle, my, my eating and all this stuff. And and uh, I've had some success with that, and I got a long ways to go. And I tried to incorporate some exercise, some different things. Now I don't know these some of these people who like going to the gym. I hate going to the gym. I hate working out. I hate going to the gym. And the crazy thing about it is, I've had a membership, y'all, for four years. And up until this year, I ain't never been in there. And uh, I just hate going and doing those things. But I've, as I get older, I've realized it's kind of important that you need to start moving around a little bit. And uh, so I've been doing that. I've lost a good bit of weight. I got a lot more to lose. I, I got a, yeah, I, I was looking for y'all to say something, you know. No, I'm joking. I wasn't trying to get you to do anything. I'm just, I, I'm going somewhere with this. But anyway, so I was, 
uh, I've tried to put in some exercise, and I've been going to the gym. And Bryce Provad, who plays the guitar here, he's he's been trying to help me. My brother's been trying to help me and encourage me to come. In fact, he texted me uh, Saturday, yesterday, and he texted me and said, "Hey, I'm going to work out. I'm thinking I'm going to work out my chest and all that." And I was like, "Cause you work out different things, you know." And so I said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." And uh, I, I, you know, preachers are bad about answering you with the scripture, and I answered him back with the scripture. I said, the, I said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> and uh, so he didn't say nothing back because he knew that meant I wasn't coming. But uh, anyway, so I've been bicycling and doing some things. I bought a bicycle. I go down here to the swamp. If you go to the gate, it's five miles one way. And you can go back and forth. That's 10 miles. I've done that. I, I do some uh, walking and, uh, and some of that stuff. Anyway, what I don't do is I don't do any running. I've never, I, I, I see people who come out here uh, when we go to, uh, when I go to the church early in the morning, I see this group of people and they're running. They're always together and they're running. I'm always looking to find what is chasing them. Why are they running? I just can't get my mind wrapped around that, why you would run for fun or even run for exercise so I say that to say this if you ever see me running you don't need to ask any questions you just need to start running too because something is about to get me and it's going to get you if you don't start running you hear what I'm saying so this morning I want to kind of talk about that I want to preach on that 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 thought today we have a reason to run I'm running for a reason Hebrews chapter 12. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a large crowd of witnesses, they're surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin which so easily ensnares us, trips us up, and let us Run. He, the writer's painting a picture of a race. Do y'all see that? And he's saying we've got to lay aside anything that would hold us back or that would weigh us down. Nobody who's running a race wants to run a race with a lot of weight on them, right? Carrying a big bag. No, carrying baggage and stuff like that. Absolutely not. They want to wear and they want to carry as little as possible. And the writer here says lay down every weight because lay it down because it, it'll, it, it'll hinder you. And lay it down sin because it trips you up and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping verse 2 our eyes on Jesus Jesus who is the source and the perfecter of our faith this morning I want to talk about running for a reason I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 1. This is a story that you read, that, uh, hey man, that you read uh, around Easter time. There's two Marys here, Mary of uh, 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 Magdala, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus has been crucified, and he has been placed inside a tomb. And now Jesus told them, hey, I'm going to rise again. Don't worry about it. Don't stress out about it. It's all going to be okay. 
you know, I'm going to rise again. But man, what Jesus went through, they begin to think, I don't know how anybody could bounce back from that. How could even after seeing all the miracles that Jesus had done in his ministry and the fact that he'd even raised people from the dead, they just couldn't wrap their minds around how their teacher, how their friend Jesus could bounce back from such a great what seemed to be defeat. The Bible says we know that he was suspended between heaven and earth, that he was hung up on a cross and that nails went into his wrist and into his feet and, and how on that cross all the things that he suffered and he, even before the cross the Bible says that people who knew him wouldn't even recognize that that was Jesus if they didn't know it was him. The contusions and the swelling and all these things that take place after being flogged and beaten so badly he received all that and then the endure the cross and, and the, how the spear of the Roman soldier the Bible says was taken and, 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 and thrown into the side uh, put into the side of Jesus and out from his side flowed water and flowed blood and I can't really blame them do you think somebody could bounce back from that they carry his body off that cross put it in a tomb and seal the tomb and now it's not day one or two it's like three days and these two women were going not to see Jesus alive. They were going to see Jesus dead. The Bible tells us, look what it says, that they came, that last line, so that they could anoint him. That is the word that would have been used to prepare the body for death. Perfume and anointing and oil and all this stuff. The question they ask, verse 2, it says very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. And they were saying one to another, hey, we're going, but I don't know, you know, who's going to roll the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us. Looking up, they noticed, well, the stone had been rolled away. It was very large, but someone had moved it. And when they entered the tomb, listen now, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and it scared them. They were alarmed, but this, this white-robed, Angel said, don't be scared. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. But he is risen. He is not here. And then they said, see, look, come on in. See the place where they put him. He's not there anymore. But go tell Oh, I love this. The angel said, go tell his disciples, and Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. See, Jesus told them, I'm going to rise again. But they, after seeing what they saw, they just couldn't believe it. But Jesus said, tell them. What I told them I was going to do, I've done it. And tell them I'm about to see them. Ah, oh, and this is, look what Mary and Mary does. They went out and ran from the tomb. They ran out and ran from the tomb. To tell what? To tell the disciples what the angel told them. To tell the gospel, which is Jesus died. He was beaten. He 
had a crown of thorns placed on his head. Yeah, he was nailed to the cross. I know it ain't Easter, but hey, hey, this is the gospel, y'all. It was nailed on, a, this is a story that never gets old. He was nailed to a cross. If it bores you, balance your checkbook for a moment. And he was nailed to a cross. Nails in his feet and in his hands, a crown of thorns on his head. Oh, they seen all of that. They seen him with a spear driven in his side. Oh, they seen him with a beard plucked out of his face. They heard all the ridicule that was given to him but he said I want the angel said I want you to go and tell them what you saw that I am not dead but I am alive and they ran they ran y'all they ran here's the first reason why we run because we got a message to tell I run this morning you see me running you want to know why I'm running? Because I've got a message to tell. I done made up my mind, y'all. Me and my wife done made up our mind to whatever the sacrifice is, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, wherever we got to go, whatever we got to do, no matter who talks about us or no matter what they say about us, we're going to run this race. We're going to run and tell. Run and, I, hey, 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 I, 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 I've heard a lot of things about me that I didn't even know. I couldn't even make up myself. But I'm telling you, it doesn't hinder me and it doesn't stop me from telling this glorious gospel, the only message worth getting out the only message worth giving to people I got something down on the inside of me Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my bones sometimes I want to be quiet sometimes I want to sit still sometimes I want to hold it in Matt but there's something on the inside of me that says I got to run and tell this gospel they ran I could go on about other people who ran uh, the woman at the well uh, she met Jesus, y'all. She was, she was a, a promiscuous woman, a woman who had been married five times. The, woman that, the man that she was living with wasn't her husband. She was full of shame and guilt. That's why she went out at noontime to get water. She most women would have gone early in the day or late, at, late in the evening, but she went right during the day, uh, during the middle of the day where she wouldn't have to face nobody, hear nobody, talk to nobody, but <laughs> Jesus was there. Jesus wasn't there to condemn her. Jesus wasn't there to criticize her. Jesus was there to give her something to drink. John chapter 4, you can read it later on, but he says, woman, if, will you give me something to drink? And she said, why are you even talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans have nothing to do with Jews. And, she said, and he said to her, he said, if you knew the gift of God that was standing before you. And I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus is a gift. Jesus is the greatest gift. I said Jesus is the greatest gift. Jesus is the greatest gift that you'll ever open up. It don't cost you anything. All you got to do is believe him. Believe that he wants to give it to you. Anybody tasted of this gift? Anybody know this gift I'm talking about? By the time you leave here, if you hadn't opened the gift and received the gift, I pray you do. And I love Jesus. He's so bad, y'all. He said, if you knew the gift of God. That was, I tell my wife that sometimes. I told you I use scripture, y'all. Sometimes when she's acting kind of irritated with me, I said, if you knew the gift of God that was standing before you right now, it just doesn't work the same way. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God who is saying to you, give me a drink, you'd ask me. 
Next verse. And I would give you living water. Uh, but uh, what am I getting? Uh, fast forward. So all the way to the end. So she's, she, uh, she, she receives this, what Jesus has to say. And Jesus, and she, she says, well, where do I worship? Where do we worship God at? And he said, one day, he said, don't worry about where. He said, because one day, he said, uh, people are going to worship me, but the only worship I'm going to receive, it won't be based on a location. It'll be based on their heart. I'll be, I will receive worship that is in spirit and in truth. And she said, oh, yeah, I know. And when the Messiah comes, that'll be great. But right now, everything's not great. Everything's terrible. And then Jesus looked at her and he said, I am he. Oh, wow. You know what she done? You know what she done? She had that bucket ready to put water in it. She done forgot why she was even there, y'all. The Bible says she dropped her bucket, left her, her plans. See, when you get Jesus, you'll realize your plans wasn't that good. You'll realize the way you were trying to do life sucks. It doesn't work. It will not get you any. Where? And you know what you got to do? You got to let go of your bucket. You got to let go of trying to fill everything up. Some of you working so hard. Listen, I want to tell somebody right now, you don't know Jesus. You're a good person, but you don't know Jesus. And you're working so hard to fill, every, fill everything up that's empty in your life. You're trying to fill your savings account. You're trying to fill your retirement account. You're trying to fill your life up with, well, I know I ain't got that long to live. So you're trying to fill your life up with all these trips and all this stuff and this new house and that new car and that new boat and you still feel empty and you still feel void. Can I tell you something? Until you meet Jesus you will be empty. You will be void. You will try to fill yourself up but you'll never get full. But when you come to Jesus and you experience him, oh you'll drop your bucket. You'll just, uh, I don't even know why I came here. Uh, you'll drop your bucket. And run. The Bible says she dropped her bucket and ran into the city. Y'all, she didn't know any scripture, but she met the word. John tells us in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word became flesh. That was Jesus. She didn't know any word. All she knows, she met Jesus. And you know what? The Bible says she dropped her bucket, ran into town. And said, come see a man. You know what? I don't need not one more theologian in this church. I don't need not one more seminary graduate. Oh, if they want to come, fine. I love you. And I want you to be here. And I want you to get an education and all that. But I don't need that. You know what I need? I need somebody with a fresh story that says I came to the well looking for water, but it never was enough. And I met a man named Jesus. He told me everything about me, yet he still loved me. Come see a man. Some of y'all, that's why y'all came today. Because you've heard the testimony of people who said, I went in one way, but I came out another I met a man named Jesus. Well, Lord. Well, I run because I've got a message. Let me tell you why else I run. I run because I've been commanded. I'm talking to Christians. I run because I've been commanded. You hear me? Luke, excuse me, Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. 
is what, is what we call the Great Commission. It's one of the last things Jesus said. I run because I'm commanded to run. I run because I got a message, but then I run because I've been told to run, Brenda. I've been told to run. He said to him, look, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, some of y'all got a message you don't have to run. Some of y'all look at that and say, well, don't say run. Pastor, it says go. Yeah, but when you got what I got, you can't just take us. I can't just stroll with this gospel. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? I can't just go and take it easy with this gospel. No. When I met Jesus, everything in my life changed. I started running. I had a boldness and a power. I was ready to go. I didn't know what direction to run in, so therefore I just ran. I made a lot of mistakes in zeal and passion. But friend, I'm telling you, when you are get saved and you receive this message, friend, you've got to run into all the world and preach the gospel. I run because I've been commanded. I run because I've got a message. I run because I've been commanded. And then I want you to look at 1 Kings. 1 Kings, we read of an Old Testament story of a man named Elijah. Now, friend, if you, if you don't, I'm fixing to start using this. It's for later on, but I'm going to go ahead because I like pointing. It kind of feels good. You know, turn over here. Okay. All right. I'll use it in just a minute. But anyway, this story is wow. Y'all should read it. Write it down. 1 Kings chapter 18. Some of y'all wouldn't believe that the stuff's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. You ought to read it. Uh, but, man, there's a showdown here in Acts. 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, the, Israel is serving a false god by the name of Baal. And out of their disobedience, God shuts off the rain. doesn't rain for several years. They're starving to death. And all they got to do is repent. But they're, hey, well, we know, right? We've all been there. All they had to do is repent, and then there would be times of refreshing, but they wouldn't do it. So God sent Elijah to try to straighten them out. And he told Elijah, he said, I want you to tell them we're going to have a showdown. And we're going to see whose God is really God. If it's Baal, then worship Baal. But if it's Jehovah, if it's me, then they will worship me. That's what God said. So he, he set this thing up. Elijah went to the king, King Ahab, and said, listen, this is what God told me to do. He said, get all your prophets of Baal. You get them, and, and, and they, let them prepare a sacrifice. It was an animal. They killed the animal. They laid it on the altar, and then he said, I want you to ask, tell your God, tell your prophets to pray to their God, and then see if God will answer by fire. I want you to pray and ask God, their Baal to send fire down and consume the sacrifice. Well, that's what they did. Okay, so the prophets of Baal get out there and they start hollering. They start screaming. They start praying. Elijah said, oh, I don't know. Maybe he can't hear you. Y'all got to read the Bible. It's really good. He said, maybe he's busy. Maybe you need to holler a little louder. And they holler louder. Nobody answers. After they've done everything they know to do, Elijah said, okay, my turn. And to make it a little harder for God, if there was such a thing, he took and he poured water all over the sacrifice. He poured water all over the altar. He put he done this several times so much that now there was a trench around the sacrifice full of water. And Elijah 
called out to God. He said, God, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm calling on you to set this thing on fire. Uh, well, that's my version, okay. Set this thing on fire. And that's exactly what God done. God sent fire from heaven. <laughs> ignited the sacrifice. Y'all, the fire was so hot, it licked up all the water in the trench. There wasn't a sign of water. There wasn't a sign of a sacrifice. There wasn't even a sign of an altar. Everything was consumed by that fire. Well, after that, you know what Elijah done? Elijah killed every prophet of Baal. I didn't tell you that part a couple weeks ago. But he killed every prophet of Baal. You say, I can't believe. Now, that just goes against what I believe. I just don't think that. Why would that even be in there? God is a God of grace and love and goodness. Yeah. He is, but he's also a God of judgment. And I believe he done what he done in this Old Testament to tell us we better stop playing with sin. See, I read in the Old Testament where they did not play with sin. They got rid of sin in their lives, whether it was the Amalekites or whether it was these prophets of Baal. Why such a a zealous and, and radical stance. Why well, kill these prophets of Baal? I think the Bible's telling us we can't play with sin. That we've got to get sin completely out of our lives. You know, a lot of times we make a pet out of sin. Come here, boy. Come here. We pet it. We pet it. We play with it. I've met a lot of manly, manly men who they act like they don't like their dog. They got a little baby, like a little poodle dog, a little, little girly dog. Like you got one. Sick man. It's sick. And they got these little girly dogs, and they, ooh, they pet it. But, but when a man gets over there, they act like they don't even know what the dog's name is. Yeah, that's my wife's dog. <laughs> I just let her over here. I let her let him stay. Yeah, but let, let, them, let, let them get along. Come here, boy. Hey, daddy, baby, girl. Hey, daddy, baby, girl. Come and tell daddy all about it. See? Now, we had a dog one time. His name was Finn. Anything I'm about to say to you right now, I feel like I'm to read my Miranda rights to myself. Anything I'm about to say right now, uh, is uh, don't worry about where the dog went because the dog, I put the dog up for adoption and he's living better than me now, okay? <laughs> we used to have a little dog, his name was Finn. And he was crate trained. You know what that means? It's time to put him up, he goes to his crate. He goes to bed, he goes in his crate. But when we want to get some sugar off of him, we pop that gate open and say, come here, little boy, come here. Oh, Finn, tell, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Hey, little buddy, Finn. All this stuff. All right. And then when we're through playing with him, we send him back to the pen. That's, so, that's how some of us do sin. We play with it, but then when it ain't at the right time, we crate it. We don't send it out. We don't kick it out. We crate it up. 
And some of y'all creating sin in your life. You got a corner, you got a place, you got a closet, you got a website, you got a thing, you got a meeting place, you got a, you know what I'm talking about. Where you crate up sin. But I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, you play with that sin as long as you want to, but that sin didn't come to play with you. One day that sin's going to take you out. One day that sin's going to destroy you. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Oh, you're one of those, and you laugh at me. Some of you got a smirk on your face right now, and I understand what you're saying, but see, you ain't been where I've been. You ain't been across the, you ain't been across the desk tonight. You don't, your office ain't right across there where I've seen men and women crying with tears rolling down their face. Their family and their, is all busted. It up. Their marriage is destroyed because they created sin instead of kicking sin out of their lives. So you don't know what I'm talking about. He killed the prophets of Baal, and this isn't even, I'm, that's just, that's just something you need to hear. A bonus. But he killed the prophets of Baal, and then he prays that it would rain. Hadn't rained for what, like three years, something like that. And he prayed for rain. He prayed seven times. God now rain on this place. They repented. The sins out. Give them rain. And that's what the Lord does. He sends a servant. Elijah, Elijah does. He said, "Go look out there and see what you see." And he said, "I seen a cloud about the size." You know how you would put your hand up there? You could, you could cover up like a cloud. So that's what he said. He said, I seen a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah went to the king, of, king Ahab, the king of, 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 uh, of Israel, and he said, listen, he said, it's about to rain. You need to go back to Jezreel before it stops because it's coming a rain. I mean, it's going to rain. So they go. He leaves. King Ahab leaves back to Jezreel. The Bible says, uh, go on down, uh, verse 40, there you go, uh, yeah. So Ahab gets in his chariot and he leaves. But then the Bible says that the power of the Lord was on Elijah. Now, I told you this thing's wild. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. And Elijah, Jamie, took off, and he ran. He ran so fast that this chariot that was already ahead of him, he outrun this horse 14 miles. He outran this chariot pulled by horses and beat Ahab to Jezreel. I, I look to try to find the point in all of that. And I, honestly, I, I can't tell you unless he just wanted to get back to Jezreel before Ahab to tell Jezebel, maybe, or I don't know what was going on. But I do know this, that he, the power of God came upon him, and then he ran. And from God, we've given us a message, and he has. If he's commanded us to run, and he has, then for us to be effective runners with this message, we need his power to fall upon us. I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with people dying and going to hell. 
I'm not okay with my family going to hell. And some of you think, well, yeah, but everybody in my family is good. Good people, hell is full of people who never smoked, never drunk, never cussed, never cheated on their wife. Hell is full of good people. Being good does not make you a candidate for heaven. No, being saved, becoming righteous through the blood of Jesus, recognizing that you don't have it all together and that you need Jesus, that's what saves you. So many people will go to hell deceived thinking they're good. People will go to hell, members of churches. Preachers are going to die and go to hell. People who sing on stages like this one, in, in churches like this, will die and go to hell. That should scare some of you. Some of you should think, my God, they will. Well, I don't do that. I don't even go to church. I just came to church today just for the heck of it. Somebody asked me to go. Somebody's getting baptized. Somebody's still doing this. Somebody, I just came. I don't even know why I'm here. Somebody talked me into it. That should scare you. Because, see, performance and doing good things doesn't make you a candidate for heaven. I am not the pastor. I would have not chosen me to be a pastor. Me and God have conversations. About me being a pastor. I don't even like just church. That's why I told God, okay, God, if I'm going to pastor a church, I don't want to be just another church on another street with a steeple on with church people. I don't want a form of godliness, but denying the power. I don't want to be religious. This ain't a religion. Religion is any other thing besides Christianity. But Christianity is not a religion. It is the real truth that there is only one way to God. Everything else is a lie. There is one way to God and it's through his son Jesus who died for you and rose again for you, period. Good people don't go to hell. Oh, they do, but not based on their goodness. It says our goodness is as filthy rags. Some of you got membership, a certificate or something like that. That won't do you no good when you stand before God. God won't ask you in what waters were you baptized in. Were you sprinkled? Were you fully immersed? He won't ask you that. When you stand before God, God will be looking at one thing, for one thing, and only one thing. Is the blood of Jesus been applied to your life? Nothing else will matter. Nothing else will make sense. God will not be looking for anything. He'll be looking for something that resembles his son Jesus. And the only thing that resembles his son that you can carry is the blood of Jesus on your life. That's it. The Bible says that 
he who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. Christians, are you lukewarm? Are you going through the motions? Do you pat yourself on the back because you sacrificed to get up on a Sunday morning and go to church? Wow, God, oh, I just thank you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. I've had to beg some people to come to church. I ain't doing that no more. I've done my last begging for people to come to church. If you received a message from me, good. You won't get another one if I begged you to come to church. Because why would I beg you to come to church when I got people who are... You ain't got to beg them to go to church. They're crawling to this place. They're doing whatever they've got to do because they're in love with Jesus. I want to ask you, are you lukewarm? Are you going through the motions? Is your relationship with Jesus basically all tied up and when you come here every other week on a Sunday? See, there's something scary in the Bible. For me. People are standing before God. And they said. Jesus said. God says. Depart from me. I never knew you. And their response was. But didn't we preach in your name? Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I heal the sick in your name? Wait just a minute. That means there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's preachers that will preach this gospel that I'm preaching, but they will die and go to hell. Does that scare some of you? See, it ain't works. God would tell them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You knew him, but he didn't know you. Oh, I pray it'd scare you. I pray it would scare you to life, not to death, to life. I pray it would scare you to life. Hell is real. Heaven is real. I love heaven. I'd rather talk about heaven more than I would hell. But i got to tell you, if heaven's real, hell is real. If heaven is glorious, hell's hot. And some of you, some of you, hold my finger. Some of you say things like this. I'm living in hell now. It's hell now. Wrong. This ain't close to hell. You deceive. If you think this is hell, friend, there ain't nothing you can go through on this earth that will equate to what hell is. Hell is a place where the worm never dies. Hell is a place where you will live in eternal damnation forever. Have you ever touched a stove? 
Have you ever touched a stove? Hurts like, don't it? And some of you would say it hurts like hell. No, it don't hurt like hell. You ain't never felt the hurt that hell can bring. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have dumbed this thing down. Let me tell you what hell is like. Hell is like the absence of opportunity and hope. You don't like my preaching? You better not go to hell. You know who they're going to be playing in hell? My preaching. If you go to hell out of this church, you're going to hear this message. You're going to hear this bald-headed, overweight preacher shaking this thing at you, saying you've got an opportunity to receive Jesus, and it ain't about talent, it ain't about skill, it ain't about doing anything. It's about believing that Jesus has already done everything. that you missed out on. You'll hear the knock on your heart's door, but you go to open it this time, there won't be nobody standing at the door. Oh, that's hell. That's hell. I've done funerals where people have went to hell. I won't preach them into heaven because you can't. You can't pray for them after they die. It's over. It's God. Man, this don't sound like grace, pastor. Oh, yes, it does. Everything I've told you to this point about hell, you don't have to touch. You don't have to taste, and you don't have to experience because you're not on the side of judgment. You're on the side of God's grace. You're on the side of a knocking door and Jesus is on the other side. You're on the other side of come, come unto me and I will give you rest. You're on that side right now. So what do you do with Jesus? Listen, I told you and I was talking to believers. The first three points, I told you you got to run because you got a message. It's the one I'm preaching right now. You got to run because you've been commanded. He said, go, you got to run because you got the power to run. But I want to talk to unbelievers right now. If you don't know Jesus, you better listen to me. If you don't know where you'd spend the rest of your life if you died today, you better listen to me right now. Because you got a reason to run too. You got to run. Why? Why do I need to run, Pastor. For your life. For your life. Genesis chapter 19. There was a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. You heard about it? The city was eat up with corruption. Sexual immorality and perversion to the highest degree. But there was a righteous man there named Lot. And his family. And an angel came to Lot and said, Lot... You can put it on the screen. Lot, God's fixing to rain fire down and destroy the city. You need to run for your life. Hear me now. Hear me good. This is really important. You got to run for your life. And 
Don't look back. Run. Don't stop anywhere. Run. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to somebody today. I didn't come by. You could have went anywhere else. You could hear a three-point message that made you feel good, but I don't want you to be happy. I want you to be holy. I want you to go to heaven. And I'm telling you today, right now, leave where you're at and run. Where do I run to? Where do I run to? You run to Jesus. You run to Jesus. You don't look back. See, later on, that's what happened. You can find it. I don't know where it's at, buddy. But Lot's wife, they're running. They're running. And Lot's wife turns around. And looks back instantly. She becomes a pillar of salt. Her life is taken away from her. And you want to play games. You better listen to me. This could be the last message I ever preach, and I made up my mind. I said, God, I'm going to preach this like this is the last time I'll ever get a chance to preach. And I don't know, it could be. I could be preaching to you, and this might be the last message you ever hear. And I want you to hear the truth. Lot's wife looked back. She didn't do what God said, and she was destroyed. Listen to me, unbeliever, lukewarm, complacent, Christian. You gotta run for your life. Run for your life. Run to Jesus. You know what this is? This is a baton. You run it, you use this in a relay race. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, not you. Yeah, you. You can play too. Amen, okay. All right. Where are we going to run? Some of y'all get upset now we fix to run. Some of y'all heard this church with a bunch of chandelier hang, uh, hang from chandeliers and run around the church. Well, we ain't got no chandeliers, but we fix to run around the church. Watch this. All right. You know what? You know what I'm talking about? The relay race? Yeah. Oh, you done played this game before? Zephyr. Pre-K, okay. All right. You run. Where do you want to run? There's really not run to room to run anywhere. Not far. Run out those double doors and then run back in here and hand it to him. You can run just through the double doors, but run now. And then he's going to hand it to you. She's going to hand it to you. And then you're going to run and then you're going to hand it to me. Hey, this is my game. My game. Ready? Go. Go. You 
And see, that's what exactly what happens. Now, I don't know a whole lot about running, but what I done was I dropped the baton in the exchange. What makes or breaks a relay race is the exchange is the exchange of the baton. They work and practice on passing it off. There's right ways to pass it. They practice this. If anybody's ever been in what I'm talking about, they, there's a right way to hand it off and a right way to receive it. Races are won and lost in the exchange. And your race is going to be won or lost in the exchange. What exchange are you talking about? I'm not talking about this now. I'm talking about you exchanging unforgiveness for forgiveness. You exchanging your sorrow for joy. Your condemnation and guilt for freedom and forgiveness. The exchange, though, is in you giving it to God and then God giving you all these things back. Satan works in the exchange. Satan wants to mess things up. Dear God, in the exchange. Right now, some of you are trying to check out. You don't want to hear this now. And that's Satan trying to deceive you and keep you deceived. But God is ready for you to lay some things down. So you can pick this thing up. So you can pick forgiveness up. Pick joy up. Pick freedom up. Pick love up. Pick grace up. So that you can run this race. And run this race with endurance. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Put it back up. Hebrews chapter 12. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us then. Here's the exchange. Let us lay every hindrance. And every sin, all unforgiveness, doubt, unbelief, let us lay it down. Let us lay it aside. And let us run with Satan don't want you to grab this thing. He don't want you to run. He wants you to sit there and die. Satan wants you to die in your sin. Satan wants you to die in your pride. You know what will keep people out of heaven and bring sin more people to hell than anything else? Pride. I don't need it. That's why that preacher's preaching is foolish. What if I'm right? Look at me. What if I'm right? I done made up my mind. I can't convince everybody, but I am going to make sure that when I get done with you, you're going to believe that I'm what I believe I believe. You may not believe what I believe, but you're going to believe I believe it. You're going to know I believe it. And I do. 
And it ain't just my opinion. It's God's word. I'm not giving you nothing new. I'm giving you something old. I'm giving you the word of God today. What will you do now? See, you've got to make a choice now. You're either going to receive it or you're going to reject it. And I go ahead and tell you it would be better off for you to go to hell never hearing the gospel. And to hear the gospel and reject him. Hell will be hotter for you. Hell will be more hellacious for you. Because you had the chance and you heard the message, but you rejected him. Oh God. The other day. The other day I was just playing around with Judah. I was by myself, me and him. He's my son. He's two, two and a half years old. And I was doing something. I don't even know what I was doing now. But I was ignoring him. And he was calling my name. And I was ignoring him. Oh. And I heard him about five or six times, and it's like God spoke to me. I said, don't ignore your son. You know how you can get busy? You always want him to get older. You want him to get out there in diapers. You want him to get out of diapers. You want, you, you want him to, they're not walking. You want them just, if they could walk, things would be easier. And there'll come a moment, I know this, that he won't say daddy like he says daddy now. And, and for some reason, how foolish I can be that I, I took advantage of it. I missed it, that opportunity. And yeah, I went back and I said, well, what is it? But I missed the opportunity the first time and the second time that he was calling my name. And you can't never get that back, y'all. You can't never get that back. You say, well, that ain't much time. Yeah, but it was some time that I'll never get back. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And he said, I know what it feels like to have my son rejected. I know what it feels like for my son to be rejected. Don't reject your son. Don't ignore him. There are people who hear the gospel, who hear this gift, and they ignore the son. They ignore Jesus. But today I'm begging you, church, to hear Jesus calling your name today. Oh, Lord, you're not too busy. You're not, you don't have other things you've got to do. You can't do anything until you receive him. I won't ask you to stand all over this building. Musicians, singers, hurry. I would ask you just to give me five more minutes if you wouldn't go anywhere. If the sun is calling today, 
all the glory to God. If Jesus is moving on your life, you know the thing about it is that you can't come to Jesus unless the Father draw you. The beautiful thing about all of this is that Jesus wants this more than you want it. He wants, I want it for you, but he wants it more than I want. You see these tears? They're nothing compared to what, how God feels for you. Seven hundred, seven billion people, seven billion people, something like that on the face of the sun. And today, God loves you so much. I'll never get my mind wrapped around this gospel. And I want to. I wanted to always drop the tears. I never want to get old. I don't never want it to get old to me. Here's the beauty of this thing. Here's the beauty. God put all these people, y'all, on the face of the earth. God is feeling you. He's drawing you today. He's inviting you today. Don't miss the opportunity. All this world is a mess, and I know I can't make any sense of it. But I can make sense of one thing, and that is I know, I know that what I'm preaching is right. It's true. It's real. This ain't made up what I'm doing right now. It ain't made up. It ain't stirred up from some place of, 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 of cinema to try to move you. It's not theatrics. It's the Spirit of God. saying don't sit there until you die. Get up. I don't care how far long you've been down. I don't care what picture you painted. You ain't got it all together. And you might be fooling a man, but you're not fooling God. He's the only one that matters. But what I think about you won't matter in heaven. So today, if you don't know don't know if you haven't answered the call. You say, what does that even mean? What do I have to do? You have to believe that Jesus died for you and he rose again for you and that he loves you and he wants to rescue you and he wants to save you and then you've got to want him to be the Lord of your life. Not just the rescuer of your soul, but the Lord of your life. Jesus.
your people right now. Nothing is as important as this. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do right now in Jesus' name. Arrest the hearts and souls of people. If you need what I'm talking about today, I'd run down to this altar. Come to me now. Come and I want to pray with you. What will people think? It don't matter. Come out to this altar now. Run to this altar, ma'am and sir. What are you doing still sitting there? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come right now? I don't want to be the first one. What, the first one to life? The first one to experience life and eternal love and peace? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, this ain't all. This ain't all. This ain't it. Come on. 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 Sir, I feel down in my spirit there's men here today. There's men here today that you're letting pride hold you back. There's men here today. I'm telling you, you don't may not get another opportunity like this. All right. Thank you, Jesus. You pray. Yeah, this altar, you can pray and you pray. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Listen to me right now. I want you to look at me, everybody in this congregation. A lot of our people who go to church here, you know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it again. And I'll say it as many times as I need to say it until God calls me home. There was a story in the Bible about a paralyzed man who needed Jesus to touch him, but he couldn't get to Jesus. He was paralyzed. But he had four good friends. And these four good friends got him loaded up on a stretcher. They got him bathed. They got him loaded up on a stretcher. And they took him to where Jesus was. But the house was so full. The house was so full that they had to take him and drop him through the roof where Jesus was teaching in this house. And they dropped him in. And Jesus saved his soul and healed his body. The Bible says he saw their faith and saved him. Some of y'all feel paralyzed. That's why you can't run. You feel paralyzed in your soul. You feel paralyzed in your spirit. But you need a friend. You need a friend, like these four friends, to help you go to Jesus, to help get you to Jesus. So I want you to do this. It may be your family member. It may be your husband. It may be your wife. If you're at this altar, I want you to stay there. Because I want to pray with all of you. But I want you to do this. I want you to look to the computer. It could be a friend. It could be a family. It could be a brother. It could be, I don't know who it is. It could be a stranger. But you know, does it really matter at this point? Because life, this this, life and death hangs in the balance here. Who cares about embarrassment? I want you to be a good friend to somebody. And I want you to ask them. I want you to look to them to the left or to the right and say if you need to go to Jesus I'll go down there with you 
Do it right now. If you need Jesus, I'll go down there. I'll meet you right here. this prayer some of you rededicating your life today maybe I don't know I don't know I don't know maybe you're saved and you've been you you've been conforming and complacent and, but you know when you leave here you're going to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ I want us all to pray this prayer pray, simply praying though y'all don't say but believe in what you pray save your soul. Faith. Maybe you didn't come down here and for whatever reason you didn't want to come down here but you say, Pastor, I didn't come down but I, I need, I, I'm not down there but I'm, I'm down at the feet of Jesus right now. I'm at the cross. If that's you, raise your hand right now. You didn't come down here but you're there. Raise it high where I can see it. I see it. See that hand. Okay that hand come on I know you're probably saying why wait I don't know if we'll get this type of chance again I don't you see you think that might be laughable my family's best. I bury my, my my family's best. Our best friend. Just a couple years, year and a half ago, two years ago. I've held the lifeless body of my daughter in my hands. I know how quick things can turn around. 
That's why I'm preaching with a zeal and a passion and an urgency today. Sir, husband, man, woman, child, if you do not know that, you know, run to this altar today. Run. One more opportunity. If you need to come down, would you come? All you're saying yes to is life. Anybody over here? You know you're going to heaven? You know it? You want to get saved today? Let's do it. Pray with me. Everybody pray. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Why not just surrender to Him? ready? Let's pray. Say, Lord. Nah. You, you got access to God. Say, Lord. Here I am. I heard your message. Heard the word. I need you. I don't need religion. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. I give you my life, my past, my hurts, my successes, and my failures, my plans. I give my life to you. Forgive me now. I'm going to run for you. I'm turning my back on sin, and I'm turning my focus to you. I receive your goodness love your grace and today I know that I am saved in Jesus name Amen can you give the Lord a shout of praise how many people's got saved today but it's a bunch <laughs> we'll try to figure it out because I like to give God glory but can somebody give God a shout of praise okay the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one soul comes to the kingdom of God do you realize what happened today now can we give God a shout Now we've got baptism. It's right outside those walls, outside that door, and we want to baptize. If you got saved and you want to be baptized, just go ahead and let's do it today, okay? If you're already signed up for baptism, we're going to baptize you. We're going to walk out, run out, we're going to shout out of here, hell lost another one. I am free. Come on, I love you. I thank God for you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Take this outside. Take this outside.
We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.